The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. Why do we sing at church? Why do we sing at church? And one response from you might be, I don't care. Why are you asking this question? Well, I'm asking it because it, I promise it's going to get to something important. It's tied to something very important. But why do we sing at church? You know, some people love it. They'll be like, can we just sing the whole time? Um, some people hate it. You're like, I'm coming late, so I don't have to sing the first two songs. And I'm going to have to go to the bathroom before the next three songs start. I don't want to sing. Uh, but why do we sing at church? I'll give you a few options. One is it's because Christians think they live in a musical. So in my house, you know, if my daughter's sad, the lights go down, Emma, you know, and we, we start singing, no, that's not it. Number two, it's supposed to be a concert. You just watch us, and then uh, actually several ha have volunteered to sign your t-shirt after the service, um, and we're actually going to get some smoke machines so it'll look like the Holy Spirit is here, you know, whether he is or not. No. It's not a concert. Third, it's tradition. You sing because you sing. If you're, you know, sometimes church is like that. Well, why do you do this? Because that's what we do. Yeah, but why? That's why. That's because, we, that's what we do. Is it because of tradition? No. Is it because it's a concert? No. Is it because we live in a musical as Christians? No. Why do we sing? It's an important question for a couple reasons. Number one, you're commanded to sing. You ever take that into account? The same God who said, love your neighbor, he also said, sing to me. Sing to me. First thing I want to show you, look at this slide, Psalm 81. Psalm 81 verse 1 says, well, what does it say? Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Do it. Sing. Sing. Does he say, sing aloud if you're especially good at singing? You know, is God like the, the great Simon Cowell in the sky, you know, listening to your story, and if you sing really well, he might push the gold button. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Um, is, are you only supposed to sing if you've, if you've got some serious pipes, and God's like, ooh, that sounds good? And then for others of you, he's like, let's have a rehearsal. Sing, yes, no, no, no singing. Or is it for everybody, all his people? It's for, it's for everyone. Sing. The Bible contains over 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. So if you take God very seriously at all, you take his word very seriously at all, you don't have a choice. If you want to obey God, you sing. You sing aloud. Not only that, and here's one of my life verses, Psalm 150, verse 5. What do you need to praise him with? Sounding symbols. Soft or loud? I didn't write it, folks. It's in the Bible, okay? Loud crashing cymbals. Huh. Sing. That's one reason it's important. Another reason it's important to think about why we sing at church is because often, let's be honest, we don't feel like singing. We need to think about why we sing at church because often we don't feel like singing. Uh, some of us, half of us, I don't know, we don't feel very musical, and there's a subjectivity to this, right? What music you like and 
It's, it's not a right or a wrong. And for some of us, singing is we love to do it. Others of us, we don't love to do it. That's okay. But the issue, as I've kind of alluded to, it isn't really how you sound. It's not really the point. Um, another reason we may not like singing, singing is because sometimes life stinks. The song, you know, you start, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, whatever comes today, I'm going to sing, I'm going to praise you, right? We sang that. Whatever may pass, I'm, let me be singing. Well, uh, when life's hard, I don't feel like singing, or at least not a song like that. Um, a third reason maybe we don't like singing is because it's too vulnerable. Music is emotional, isn't it? That's one of its glories. You know, you can take an idea, but if you really want to express it in a way that you feel, you put it to music. I mean, you can, any of you ever listen to movie soundtracks? You know, you, you know what's going, you, you don't have to be watching the movie or hearing any of the dialogue. If you just hear the music, you know what's going on. Oh, happy springy song. Birds are chirping. They're walking down. Oh, oh, something's going on. Oh, now we're scared. Hey, we, we won in the end. The music will tell you. Music is emotional. It can bring peace, anger, joy, comfort, elation. It's expressive, right? What percentage of the songs we listen to are love songs? I don't know. But it's high. Why? Well, when you want to express your love, you know, you you put it to a song. So music is vulnerable, it's expressive, and it's intimate. Maybe this is maybe we're getting close to why God tells us to sing. And so when we sing and God tells you to sing, what's he telling what's he what's he asking you to do? Open your heart to me. Express yourself to me according to my word, according to what I've said. So really singing at church is is a lot like praying. You're praying to music. Just in the sense that you're talking to God. Uh, we're proclaiming together what we believe. So maybe we don't want to sing sometimes because it's vulnerable. Maybe in your heart you're like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to talk to God like this. Or maybe you're just really aware of the people around you. Have you ever been really kind of into a song and, all, and you, maybe you wanted to like move a little bit or you wanted to raise your hand and then before you know it you were like, oh, there's people here. <laughs> don't do that. Um, because your vulnerability towards God, you become aware of other people. So maybe you feel shy about that. But, you know, on the other hand, what if, what if we were all vulnerable before God together? I was, at a, um, I was at a Red Sox game once at Fenway Park. And uh, the Red Sox were playing the Yankees. And they won in the bottom of the ninth on the last pitch. And guess what everybody's doing? The stadium is bouncing, it's swaying because we're all jumping. And people are giving hugs to one another that they don't even know. And high fives. And you're having fun and you're, but what do we do? What, what are all our arms in the air doing? You know, they score. You ever done this at a sporting event? Or when your kid did something really well? Your arm, yes! Your arm goes up. What, what is it, I don't know, about the human body you want to celebrate or you want to proclaim and the arms goes up, you, you clap, you're like, yes, okay? Getting towards why we want to sing, why we're told to sing. Something very interesting in our psalm this morning, you've got a warrior king who writes a song for a community about singing, Psalm 63. Look at the heading over verse 1. 
These give you context sometimes for what the psalm came out of. And this one says, right in your Bibles, page 479, the psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So who's David? He's kind of the ultimate king of the Old Testament. This is what the kings are supposed to be like because he loves God so much. And where is he? He's in the wilderness. Is he there on a camping trip? No. Uh, So first of all, warrior king singing. I guess if you want a stereotype of rugged masculinity, this guy could do it for you, right? Killed a bear with a slingshot. That's pretty cool. Uh, Won brutal battles against ruthless enemies. And you should see what he gave as a dowry for his first wife. I'll let you look it up on your own, okay? But I guess I want to bring up here, like, he's tougher than you are. He's manlier than you are. Um, And what is he doing? He's singing, okay? He's writing songs for a community to sing. So let that blow up some stereotypes. You're never too big or too tough or too rad to sing to God. If you know God, what are you going to do? You're going to sing. Second, he's singing... In the midst of a difficult situation, we know, we know a lot about David's life from the books of First and Second Samuel, and he suffered, he tasted a lot of suffering, especially here, this is probably towards the end of his life. Most likely here, he is suffering a coup at the hands of his own sons. In other, in other words, his own son is trying to take over the kingdom, and his life is in danger. And we know he didn't love this kid very well, but we do know, we do know that he loved him very much. And so you see in the psalm that David is suffering. He's suffering due to injustice and lies of others. He's due to broken relationships in his family, suffering due to broken relationships in his family. And he's also suffering due to his own mistakes. He's suffering. And what's he doing? Did you see it? I'll sing for joy. Right? I sing for joy. Verse 7, in the shadow of your wings, I'll sing for joy. So was it, what is it that has the warrior king who's in the midst of suffering singing for joy? Because that's just it, isn't it? The heart of singing is what makes you joyful. The heart of raising your hands is you saw something you loved and you celebrated. Why do we sing? The heart of it's right here in this passage. There is something so great and so wonderful that anybody and everybody can and should sing about it, and they can and should sing about it in every circumstance, no matter what life brings. So what is it here? First of all, uh, we note it is in the phrase, David says, I will sing for what? Joy. So evidently, David has located Joy. He's found what life is all about. Look at verse 1, Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I think we see here that the first element of joy is desire, longing for something. So do you have those? You got deep desires in you? A longing for something. I think sometimes we don't even know what it is. 
We don't, we don't even know what it is. Have you latched onto a hobby sometimes or a relationship sometimes and you went after it really passionately? You thought, like, this is going to, kept, you kept pursuing it, and then you kind of got to where it had matured and you'd been there, and then you just went, that's all? Have you had that experience in this life? You're, you're looking for, you put all your eggs in a basket of something in this life, a relationship or, or people or uh, something, some activity, and you, get, and you get there and you go, that's all, and you feel like you had a smell of joy and happiness, but it just kind of like, you couldn't quite grab it. Well, David says, first of all, his joy is God, and he longs for God. He longs for him. And what does he long for him like? What does he compare this to? My soul, what? Thirst for you. So what's, what's the illustration? God, I want you like water. You ever been in a situation where you didn't have enough to drink for a while? You went camping, you didn't take enough, you got down, back on the hike, you're, you're out of water. You know, it's amazing what happens to the human body when it doesn't get enough water. You can go without food a long, long time, you'll be unhappy about it, but you'll be okay. You can't go without water very long. See? You get confused, you get moody, you have no energy, you don't drink long enough, you start having hallucinations. You'll see water everywhere, but you can't find it. So interesting. David said, God's like that. God, I long for you like I long for water when it's hot, when I'm in the desert, I need a drink. So interesting. Did you know you can get dehydrated without feeling thirsty? I don't feel thirsty. I don't feel my longing for water. Then you don't drink and you're, you're dying. Here's what I want you to think. Maybe you don't feel a desire for God that burns like this. But look around. Are you dehydrated? Do you see a need for more? You're longing for something? It's God. It's God. And you know, whether you're outside of the church or whether you go to church all the time, it's easy to numb the thirst with things that don't satisfy and miss God himself. This is the part where I feel like a terrible preacher. This is an experiential thing. I just want to appeal to your heart and to mine, too. Do you realize how much you need a connection with God himself? You need you need to connect with God to where just like you drink the water and it gives you life, you need to relate with him and to fellowship with him. And if you don't have this, you'll wither up and you'll die because you're made for it. Do you desire God like this? Or maybe another way to ask is, are you aware how much you should desire God like this? The human heart is thirsty for God. I love this quote from St. Augustine. He knew this well. He spent a lot of his life on status and women, and it wouldn't satisfy. This is what he wrote. Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. You won't find joy until you find your connection with God. But the first part of joy is desire. The second part of joy is satisfaction. So look at verse 2 of Psalm 63. David actually says, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. So I've seen it. And then down in verse 3, your steadfast love is better than life. So he's had enough to know, right? What does he want more than anything else? 
God, if you love me, that's all I need. Let the rest go. That's what I want. God, your love. My lips will praise you because your steadfast love is better than my life. Look at verse five. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. That means it's delicious. So we can relate to this, can't you? You're hungry. What do you want to do? You want to eat. You ever had those moments where you don't just want to eat in general, but there's something specific you want to eat? You see the, 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 the mixture between desire and delight? You're hungry for, say, what do we want to think about today? Sushi. <laughs> You're hungry for sushi because you've had it before. You've tasted it, and you want some more, and you've been saving up because you have to to eat that stuff. You're saving up, and you want to go, and then you, you're hungry. And the, and the desire is the delight, isn't it, when you, when you think it's coming? The desire is the joy, right, whether it's, whether it's sexual or any, any other kind of pleasure, any pleasure you can think of. The desire is part of the delight. I want this. And then you get to taste it. You get to have it, and you're satisfied. Ah, oh, I got it. David says, a connection with God is, is the ultimate joy. All the other stuff, it just gives, you, just gives you this idea of what this could possibly be like. But to desire to be with and see God himself and to know him and know his love and relationship with him, that's the feast. So why is David, why is David singing even though he's a tough warrior king? You know, those guys don't sing. Oh, this one does. Why is he singing even though he's suffering? He's in the wilderness of life. Why is he singing? Because God's his joy. Why does God tell you to sing to him? Because I want to be your joy. C.S. Lewis wrote about how um, the praise consummates the delight. What What do you do when you see something you like? You tell somebody else. It's almost instantly. You ever seen something beautiful and you were all by yourself and it wasn't as cool because you couldn't share it with somebody? The praise consummates the delight, Lewis writes, and I think that's right. To voice it out and to say, oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? And to voice it to someone who you think is amazing is maybe the top. You are the best. To have one person say, I love you in your mind, and the other person look back and say, I trust you. You're the best. I love you. If that relationship is everything to you, that's the highest of delights. And what is God saying to you? What is he commanding you to do 50 times in the Bible? Look me in the eye. Believe my love for you and sing to me. This is unique, I think. It's the biblical God who does this. You won't find this in the same way in other religions. To have this kind of a a vulnerable intimacy and connection with God. I mean, it blows my mind that the holy God of the universe who makes everything by the word of his power cares whether or not I sing to him. Does he care whether or not you sing to him? Evidently, he does. Come on. This is what I made you for. Come, Come hear what I've said. Come believe in who I am. And you respond. You sing. Because... He's our joy. Not only that, he's our salvation. Remember, David's in the wilderness. So this doesn't just play out in the heart. It plays out all over life, all our circumstances. 
David sings because God is his joy and God is his salvation. Look at verses 7 to 10. You've been my help, David says. In the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. So we see that God protects him. The shadow of your wings, it's a great image, right? Probably heard of the mother hen who will roost over her chicks in the barn fire. And, the, you know, the fire, everything's burnt up, and there's nothing less than this charred-up chicken, and they pull her up, and there's these chicks still alive. And it's this idea of protection, covering. And where does David say he sits? God's over me like that. God sits over me like that. He's my salvation. Do you know that in your heart about God? Do you have that sense of him for you? He protects, he also preserves. Look at verse eight. My soul clings to you. Have you ever prayed like this to God? I want, you to, I want you to look at your life, your prayer life. God, my soul clings to you. Are you does God want you to talk to him like this? My soul clings to you. I'm hanging on to you, God. I don't want to go anywhere else. You're it to me. And then he says, and your right hand upholds me. So who's hanging on to who? I'm hanging on to you, you're hanging on to me. Uh, my family likes to go to the ocean, and I like to take Judah down into the waves when he'll come. Uh, it's fun, because he'll really hang on. <laughs> He's really hanging on. Two hands, so you jump in the wave, right? Every, it's fun to take your kid to the ocean. He's hanging on, you jump into the wave. But sometimes, the wave's too strong, maybe he'll let go, but who's not letting go? I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. Your relationship with God is like that. I'm hanging on to you, God, but who's not letting go? He won't let you go. Does that make you want to sing to him that he won't ever let you go? Are you brave enough to do that? Do you believe it enough to sing it? It says, it says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. And usually we emphasize believe in your heart, and I think that's fundamental, right? What do you have to do to believe? God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believes, okay? But yet part of believing is confession. We got to see some baptisms, profession of faith lately. What were people doing? I'm going to speak what I believe. What does it do in your heart about what you believe when you proclaim what you believe? Doesn't it cement it a little? It firms it, identifies you in it, your feet are planted on it. Confess with you. What, what does it do when you sing? We believe, we believe every word you have breathed, we believe. We are yours. Do you believe it? I believe your word, God. I believe what it says about me. I'm singing to you. I worship you for this. God is David's salvation. He's singing. My soul clings to you. And those who would seek to destroy my life, they'll go to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the power of the sword, be a portion for jackals. I haven't yet seen the right song <laughs> that voices this in church. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, that our enemies will be carrying in the field and the jackals will snack upon them. There might be a more appropriate, uh, we have to think about that, right? But for David, this is real because who made David king over Israel? God did, okay? So this is unique in, in history, really. This is a theocracy. God made David king. And so if you come against David, guess who you come against? 
You come against God. God made it that way. And what will God do to you if you come against God's king? He'll judge you, right? Now, we live in a different age. We're in Christ now, so we're not looking for, uh, for swords in the same way, right? But you still need God to protect you. And has he promised to do that? Has he promised to protect you? And will he bring justice for you one day in the right way? All right, as Christians, obviously, we don't take life uh, for Jesus' sake. We give our own lives for Jesus' sake. That's how it works right now. But uh, in the Bible, you read it, what, what's Jesus going to do when he comes back? Is he bringing flowers? What's he holding? What's, he, what's out of his mouth? A sword, right? Is he going to protect his people? He is. One reason, in fact, we don't take vengeance on our enemies in the new covenant, who gets vengeance for us? God does. So we can rest in that. That's why we don't need to take vengeance on others. We forgive because God says, I'll take care of it, right? But he protects us. David sings because God is his joy. God is his salvation. Look at verse 1. David sings because God, capital letters, the ultimate God, is his God. Look at verse 1. Oh, God, you are my God. Truth in action. So weigh yourself. Do you believe in the God of the universe who made everything, the God of the Bible who communicated himself in the pages of Scripture? Many of you, yes, I believe. Do you know him as your God? Oh, God, you are my God. We don't use the possessive language very often. What kind of relationships can you talk about like that? Like, I don't say to the majority of you, oh, that's my Kelly. Um, we don't, it's very, it's very few relationships we can speak in the possessive. Who can, are you, are you amazed that David says, oh, my God. Can, can you speak like that? What kind of relationship is it where you say, oh, that's mine? It was my dad that read this scripture this morning. That's my dad. What does that mean that he's my dad? And he could, he could say, that's my son. We, uh, we belong to each other in a certain way, right? I can, I can come to him for anything. He's my dad. We can talk to each other. That, there's a, an ownership. My close friend, you say that, or, or my husband or my wife. But it, these, these certain kind of relationships we have, can we have a relationship with that, like that with God? He's my God. I can come to him for anything. And I'm his. I belong to him. How, how do you get the right to sing this psalm? David sings because God is his joy and his salvation, right? How do you get the right to sing this song? Do you have the right sitting here several thousand years later to sing the song of a Jewish king? I mean, why are we even looking at this? Look at John 7, 27. Look what Jesus said. Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, what? Let him come to me and drink. 
You know, in this passage, Psalm 63, it said the mouths of liars will be stopped. And I think we need to realize that before we're the singers, we're the liars. You know, if, if the ultimate command from God is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, have you kept that? Have you loved him with everything you are? Do you deserve on your own to call him your God? I mean, who gets the rights to that and why? Do you have that kind of permission? When we think about lies, I think the worst lies we tell, our, we tell are the ones we tell ourselves about God and about joy. That's the worst lie. What do you believe about God? Oh, I don't need to obey him. It's no big deal. He's not worth it. He's not trustworthy. Lies about God. We deserve, I deserve to be eaten by the jackal. I deserve the judgment of this passage. But then there's Jesus. You know, every time you read a psalm, you need to see it through layers and levels. First, who wrote this first? David. But whose psalm is this really? Oh, God, you're my God. Who does this belong to? It's this huge biblical theme, right? God made David a promise that he would have a son who would reign forever. And as Christians, that's a main thing we believe, right? Who's, who's David or who's Jesus? He's the son of David. He's the promised king who reigns forever. And we know, we know from Scripture Jesus loved the Psalms. He's saying this all the time. Imagine when he's singing it. Oh, God, you're my God. I've seen you. Your love is better than my life. He, he's the one who can really read this. He's the one who's done it right. Uh, you see in verse 11, the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. Jesus is really the one who exulted in his father. And yet you see these images. Was Je- David was in the wilderness. Did Jesus go to the wilderness? Was he outcast? Was there a coup that said, we don't want you as king? And yet was Jesus there by his own making, his own mistakes? Or is he there for another reason? Jesus let himself be parched to death right on the cross. What did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why have you dried me up? And he did it so that we could drink. In Jesus Christ, we're brought to God as children. He's adopted us. In Jesus Christ, we're invited to drink. Jesus Christ, right, is the one who lived the perfect life in our place, the ultimate king, so that he could give that standing to us that if we trust in him, perfectly righteous like he is. Jesus Christ is the one who was abandoned, dried up, judged on the cross so that we could be forgiven of all our sins, all our lies. And in Jesus Christ, we have new life to delight in God, to desire him, to be satisfied by him. And does he protect you? Wings are always outstretched. What can you not help but see in wings? Can't you see the cross? Does the cross brood over you, protecting you? from God's wrath that we deserve. And now we're promised everything works for our good. This psalm is ours because of Jesus. And so when you trust in him, you're united to Jesus, that ultimate Davidic king, the son of David. And so I'm not just, 
this is extreme. On your own, you've, we have no right to sing this psalm. But through Christ, we have every right to sing this psalm. This actually is yours because you're in Christ. You are connected to the king. You're his child. So can you say, oh God, you are my God? Christians say it like this, oh God, in the name of Jesus, you're my God, you're my father. And do Christians say, God, I desire you, I want you more than anything? We do, and do we say, I've seen you and I'm satisfied? Yes, it's in Christ. So why do we sing? God is our joy and our salvation in Jesus Christ. So when we talk about singing, we gotta talk about cultivating joy. You'll sing, you'll raise your hands when you're overwhelmed at how, God, how good God is for you. So how do we cultivate that joy? Number one, seek. Look at verse one. Oh God, you are my God. So what does David do? Earnestly seek. Are you awake to this? What do you do? Earnestly seek. What's earnestly mean? Go hard. Seek. I seek you. I want to be with you. In verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Number one, seek God. Seek God hard. Number two, seek God ultimately. What does David think is better than life? Did you hear it? Better than life, God's love. How many of you ever come to God making deals? Making deals. God, you get me out of this situation, I'll consider worshiping you. Jacob actually did that in Genesis. God, if you'll take care of me, I'll come back, I'll make an altar for you. I always think God laughs at that, right? Oh, thanks. I needed what you were going to give me. I wouldn't have it without you. Okay, we do it on the front lines of the battlefield. Uh, we do it all the time. God, if you'll, I'll consider coming if you'll fix my marriage. God, I'll come if you'll uh, take care of my kids. I'll come if you'll help me figure out my finances. And listen, does God do all of those things in so many of our lives? Does he change us? Does he help us? Absolutely. But if you come to God for what you really want and it's not him, what are you doing? It's like you're pimping him out. It's like you're using him. God, what I really want is this. Be my cosmic vending machine and get it for me, then get out of the way. The irony is you won't find joy because what's the only thing that can satisfy you? God himself, right? So when you seek God, come to him ultimately for himself and you'll find joy. Jesus said this, right? Uh, you want to live? What do you, what do you got to do to live, Jesus said? Take up your, take up your cross. If you want to gain your life in this world, you'll lose it. But if you want to lose your life here, you'll find it. That's saying, come to me all in. Come to me for everything. First thing to do is seek, and you'll find joy. Next thing to do is see. Seek and then see. Look at verse 2. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. What do you have to do? You have to see. How do you see God? 
in the wilderness. How do you see? I don't know about you, but he doesn't show up like for a meeting with me in that way where I save him a chair. You know what I mean? How do you see? Well, I behold you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. And then down in verse 5 and 6, my soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. He's seeing God according to God's word, isn't he? I meditate on you. What's he meditating on? What he knows about God in the scriptures. Where is he doing it? In the sanctuary. I've been there with God's people where we hear the word, where we trust it, where we praise it together. We see through, Paul says, the eyes of our hearts. It's faith. If you need joy in God, where are you going to look? Well, you look, you look at Jesus through his word and you meditate on it. Do you know the difference between reading the Bible and meditating? How many of you are like, okay, I got to try, I gotta turn a new leaf in my life, I'm going to do some devotions, I've scratched away five minutes, I finally have time, and then I'm, I read a couple words, and whew, okay, moving on, and then later there's this dark secret in your heart where it's like, I don't think that made any difference. They always said this would, this would make the difference. It didn't make any difference. Have you been there? Do you see what David's doing? I meditate on you. Meditate. What's it mean to do that? To chew, to ponder, to consider. Um, I heard someone say once, if you know how to be anxious, you know how to meditate. I think that's brilliant. Why are you anxious when you're anxious? Well, you've been taking this fear you have and you've been chewing on it and spinning on it and sucking on it and it's growing tentacles and it's getting worse and worse and you keep thinking of ways everything could go wrong and your heart is gripping it and you're thinking about it. It's all you think about all the time. You are meditating on theoretical bad things and you are anxious. Well, flip it over. What should you meditate on? Ponder it, chew on it, let its tentacles grab you, let your heart wrap around it who God is for you in Jesus Christ, what he's done for you in Jesus Christ. Meditate on that. You'll see. You'll be filled with joy. And then what do we do with our joy? We sing. Because God says, sing to me. I'm your joy and your salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to be this joyful in you, and we struggle with it. We don't know how to do it so often, but teach us to sing. Teach us to see who you are, what you've done, to voice it out with our hearts in thanksgiving, in praise, um, unafraid uh, of anything around us, just connected to you. You are our God in Jesus Christ. You are our joy, and we seek you, we want you. And we trust you, so we're going to sing. It's for your glory, our joy in you. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.